try to answer them as we go on. But uh, welcome to another edition of the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast without the mention of whiskey in the title whatsoever. We are joined by two special guests today, all the way over from Scotland, uh, the Thompson brothers from Dornick Distillery. Phil, Simon, welcome back to the podcast. Well, Phil, welcome back. Simon, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, how are you guys doing? Tired. Surviving. Yeah. Yeah, I can only Pretty imagine. Good. So, how's um, um, yeah, go ahead. How's Chicago? Are you um, all well? Yeah, it's uh, it's quiet. Um, it's it's eerie walking your dog at ten o'clock at night through the city and nobody's around and all the lights are turned off and you're basically the only soul out there, other than a few other dog walkers. But um, surviving definitely, learning a whole new lifestyle with my wife and I working from home. So try not to kill okay. each other. <laughs> yeah, patience levels are, uh, you have to be very patient, I think, at that point. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, but it's so, kind of, uh, it's it's different, but it's necessary at the same point. I'm going to give a shout out because I saw that the guys at Monks were uh, doing a sort of crowdfunding for their, um, their tips, members of the staff. And nice. like, definitely one of my favorite places in Chicago. And I think they're people should definitely help them out because they're awesome. And when they reopen, go and spend money there and drink for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of great um, great bars that are struggling to keep their doors open through all this, obviously. So uh, a lot of places have GoFundMe. So if you can support any bars locally from wherever you are, please go ahead and do that. So um, I'm going to rattle off a list of bars and accounts that we, uh, Wilson and I support, you know, for our jobs, but also just as friends too, uh, at the end of this podcast. So if you want to stick around for that, and then all the distilleries that are friends of ours that are, uh, joining the efforts like you guys to make hand sanitizer for all the frontline people out there and the true heroes of our communities. Um, but yeah, let's get into that. I guess right off the bat is, you know, when did things start changing and shifting for you guys up in Scotland? Um, yeah, I think um, very early days, um, the the hotel where we are just now, Dorn Castle Hotel, uh, they couldn't buy any sanitizer. And, they, and I think the first maybe media story of one of the distilleries, which I think would have been uh, Mike at Deeside Brewery and Distillery, um, that uh, he was putting out uh, sanitizer locally. So our dad asked us to make some for the hotel. Um, so we made our first batch up for the hotel and then it just sort of snowballed, snowballed from there really uh, because uh, traditional supplies uh, had exhausted across the country. So it's really hard to get hold of any reasonable quantity of sanitizer. Um, and we're still waiting for kind of an upscaling of the industry over here. So we just thought we'd bridge the gap uh, the best we could in between. So at first we were doing it um, we're giving it away for free, but having to charge the alcohol duty on it. So we're doing that for local businesses um, uh, that were also in the same boat. We've got like a local business WhatsApp group. Uh, so requests started coming through on that. And then it started to go um, further and further afield where, you know, you, uh, you know, we did it privately for the first I don't know, four or five days. And then we shared on Facebook that we did that we were doing it. Um, that got a huge amount of shares, um, and then we started getting inquiries from all over the country, and we, you know, we started sh- uh, shipping down to care homes uh, at the other end of the country. Uh, you know, so at which point we started upscaling our sanitizer production, uh, and at the same time to try and get over that problem of you know people were contacting us from you know parts of England really far away. And we knew there was a distillery local to them that was doing sanitizer. 
so we started so we started making a database and map of um, distilleries in the UK that were making sanitizer. So uh, we sent out forms to every distillery uh, that we knew was making sanitizer, and then we hijacked a bunch of um, email chains from different distilling groups, and we put emails out to every single um, distillery in the UK, pretty much, with a form about uh, making sanitizer. Um, and then from there, we made a, made a map and database and tried to put um the supply and demand sides of things together so we had care homes care workers doctors nurses gps charities food banks everyone's looking for sanitizer um so we tried to just mate up the supply and demand sides of that so you know we've got about 70 distilleries across the uk making sanitizer now uh, so whenever an inquiry comes through and uh, then we can just match up um their closest uh, supply yeah it's been uh it's yeah it's been I'm quite busy with that really yeah uh, good. good yeah so you, uh, you have you seen your american version as well through yeah definitely ADI? it's uh i just want to check with the view is it my voice still echoing a little bit yeah i think it's because you're feeding through on the other phone uh, yeah yeah it is turned all the way down but it's still feeding through yeah, is that better weird. yeah I'm not sure if it's, I think this just seems weird. Um, just move this away a little bit. Cool. See if that helps out a little bit. It worked the other night from other distilleries that we were doing this with, but um, yeah, we have seen the the rise of, uh, of uh, distilleries helping out, especially just here locally in Chicago and kind of in this whole area of the country in the Midwest. We had uh, the Blum Brothers on last week. Um, which are in Northwest Illinois, and they started making the hand sanitizer about a week or so ago um, for contracts all over the place. They're talking about how you know um, jails needed it, nurses needed it, um, hospitals from all over the country requesting it because they're competing with all the big box chain companies that are producing it as well, uh, or kind of buying it all up in bulk. Um, so they're just getting requests from all over the country to do it. Uh, Sagamore Spirit um, over in Maryland, they teamed up with John Hopkins. This is one of the best hospitals in the entire world to start making it. Uh, Koval here locally has been, was kind of on the forefront of getting the laws changed so distilleries could start producing it um, that way legally and kind of getting it out to um, all people out in the front lines in our community that are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, Journeyman Distillery, want to give them a big shout out too over in Three Oaks, Michigan, which is kind of like a local distillery. They've been doing it as well. So um, yeah, it's been a lot of efforts all around. Yeah, man, it's been great. I said, I've, we've kept an eye on because Journeyman, Journeyman we were working with um, right. some so I was pretty delighted that they were, they were doing it. Um, yeah, we've worked for them for since we started there, so really happy to see it. It's good to see an effort, man, from from everyone. Um, I have to say, like RN Simon and um, Vary, who works with us, she's uh, basically pushed everything on, isn't she? Really, she kind of pioneered the map and got every got all the contacts together and stuff like that. So, you know, definitely a shout out to her for RN for making everything happen. Uh, and there's another guy, Mike, who's at Deeside Brewery, at Deeside Distilling. Um, he's done a brilliant job. I mean, he's he's supplying pallets to the, the National Health Service, our um, health service in the UK. And uh, you know, he's done a brilliant job. He's doing millions of litres now 
stuff. So yeah, it's, it's awesome to see for sure. Yeah, and I would expect I would expect the UK to be net exporters of sanitizer in the coming weeks, um, as we've got a lot of big grain distilleries which are turning their hand over to supplying ethanol for grain uh, for sanitizer production. Uh, and then you've got all, all kinds of small, medium, large distilleries um, ramping up. The uh, situation we're at just now is still you've got all the small to medium distilleries bridging the gap, um, and we're still waiting on, for a lot of the big boys to really come online over here. Um, so the yeah, supply chains are getting a little bit stretched as well. It's just kind of marrying everything up to get up together has been the biggest problem. You know, all the supplies exist somewhere it's just uh, making sure that uh, the supply chain is running properly and people know where to where, where to get the, the appropriate materials uh, you know because you know up until a few weeks ago none of us were considering um, making sanitizer we weren't buying you know plastic uh, uh, atomizer bottles we weren't buying uh, you know plastic uh, jerry cans with taps uh, so you know it's all come together very very quickly but uh, yeah, it's, it's working well. Um, it's keep, keeping us busy anyway. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's it's not a bad little part of the business. We did it we did it for free for the first week and a half, and now we're charging for it. And there's enough meat on the bone to uh, pay the guys, keep the lights on, and uh, keep us on keep us in business when otherwise we might have had to close the doors for a little while. Yeah, I was wondering. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week with the Blum Brothers as well. Um, the distillery I work for in Australia, we were having the, our distilleries closed right now for renovations, but we were also having problems. If we wanted to do this, just finding supplies, just finding bottles, finding labels available for us to even do it um, out for the public. And so we're kind of in a little bit of a gray area right now, trying to decide if we're actually going to commit to do this by kind of getting one of our stills up and ramped up to do it, but. Um, was it difficult finding supplies all over the country for that, like bottles and everything else? Everyone's gone down to kind of skeleton staff as well. You know, warehouses aren't open. And uh, as you said, even things like label supplies, the printing houses, of, you know, they're down to like skeleton staff. The people are working from home you know, on different hours. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult, difficult for all aspects of it. Um, like you say, the supply chain. So we speak to... The guys who supply the ethanol to start with, so we don't see work from at the moment working from neutral base. So one of the issues that they're having is that uh, they're basically not getting enough ethanol, and they're not producing enough ethanol to be able to uh, uh, supply the demand. So that's a little bit of an issue. So um, everyone's struggling with supply chain. Um, Run Instagram live. Use use my phone. You know my password. All good. No problem. Just seeing the real life uh, distillery moments right now. Okay. So, so uh, because we're working at the moment, it's nine to five. So you and you and say hello, man. Sorry, let me interrupt. Hey, how's it going, man? You and working with us at the moment. At the moment. Yes, working works for us. Yeah. So. Um, he's still working over there at the moment, and uh, Barry's kind of just there. I don't know where Barry is, but he's over doing some work somewhere. Yeah, but oh. there's there's, uh, there's always solutions to these things. So I mean, we we've bought you know, containers and um, and spray bottles, but we've massively underestimated demand, and we always had it in our mind not to overcommit because we thought the cavalry would be coming very soon. We thought uh, you know, the big boys would be upscaling; they'd flood the market. Uh, and we've been thinking that for a few weeks now, and sure, it's coming, but um, these big guys are a lot slower to mobilise. 
than all of his little guys. Uh, so we've not overcommitted, whereas, you know, we wish we'd, when it was available, bought, you know, 10 times the amount of spray bottles, 10 times the amount of containers, 10 times the amount of, um, of ethanol. But there's solutions to this. So so we're, we're doing, so we're trying to get everyone to bring, bring in their own containers so everyone can rustle up you know, some some uh, some jerry cans, some spray bottles. So for the general public, we're telling them, bring your own bottle, preferably a spray bottle. Uh, for businesses, we can fill, you know, if, there's, if it's a business that would normally need sanitizer anyway and they're running out, then they've probably got empty containers that can be refilled. Um, so just having a bring your own bottle policy works quite well. Mm. Uh, uh, while we've been awaiting ethanol, uh, we've been going through the warehouse, we've had things like um, uh, redistilled heads and tails, so uh, we don't reprocess the heads and tails of our gin. We just kind of been stockpiling it and then sometimes redistilling it and taking the hearts of the heads and tails, uh, which then we've been stockpiling maybe to, maybe to use as like a base for liqueur in the future. We ne- never really got around to doing anything with it. So we had a lot of usable alcohol kicking about by redistilling heads and tails. Mm-hmm. Um, we just gone and emptied a port pipe, which was full of uh, 77%. Uh, ABV um, has been sitting there for two years uh, and then we used um, some redistilled heads and tails that we've taken up to 90% to strengthen it up and then use that as the base for the sanitizer um, and also by matured sanitizer. Yeah, two-year-old two uh, two port pipe matured sanitizer so so over, over here in the UK we have to follow the World Health Organization recipe uh, so, so we've been granted uh, the ability to put it out without having to pay duty, as long as we use the WHO uh, recipe. So um, in order to use alcohol that's you know close to 80%, uh, you know, we use something stronger, strengthen it up. But then by using uh, high-strength hydrogen peroxide at 35%, you only use need a very small amount of that. So that means even if you get your, your alcohol mix up to 81, 82%, um, you can still finish at 80%. Concentrate you can use. Um, so, if you're not familiar, the World Health Organization recipe is basically uh, ethanol, uh, glycerol, hydrogen peroxide, um, and that's certainly an appropriate quantities uh, mixed well mixed together. And you've got World Health Organization uh, Formula One recipe sanitizer. Uh, uh, final strength is recommended at 80% ABV plus or minus 5%. Uh, so we've been putting it out uh, bang on 80% ABV. Uh, yeah. uh, seems, seems to do the job. Did you guys have to have laws changed um, or amended to do all this as well in the States? Yeah, yeah. so there, there was quite a lag. Um, so about a week previous to the, to the new law, which, um, which allows distilleries to put out World Health Organization sanitizer, uh, we'd been battling away with HMRC and a number of other distilleries had as well to, um, to allow us to do this. Initially, the pathway was to get a denaturing license, but the only way you could denature uh, legally was by adding methanol, which isn't very good for your skin if you're cutting your ethanol with methanol and then you know, spraying that on your hands. Um, so eventually they capitulated and um, probably about a week later than they should have done and allowed us all to put out uh, World Health Organization recipe uh, sanitizer without having to pay the duty, uh, which is, well, you know, that's been a, a big boon for that because prior to that, for, you know, about a week and a half plus, we've been putting out sanitizer but having to pay the duty on it. So the UK alcohol duty would have worked 
it's about £10.74 per half litre of sanitizer. So uh, 21, £21, pounds, what's 21, 21 pounds is basically $21 at the moment, isn't it? Uh, $21 in tax per litre. Um, and that's all, that's all we're charging at that point. Um, so yeah, not paying the tax has allowed, allowed it to, um, well, allowed the whole thing to work because you can put it out much, much, much cheaper and make a bit of a profit on it, which allows you to buy more materials and keep the whole thing turning over. Mm. Yeah, so. How did, it, how did it set up in the States for people um, to start producing sanitizer? Was it a fairly straightforward process? Or? I think there was a delay for some reason, so I'll try it again. Um, but yeah, to kind of go on with the conversation of uh, the laws passed here, the government kind of got behind the distilleries once that once they saw that the shortages of supplies um, in the U.S. with all the all the doctors and nurses needing everything and people buying up hand sanitizer in big box stores and everything like that. So it seemed like about a few days of uh, distilleries banding together and working with local governments to have everything passed and you can go ahead and do it. It was kind of a state by state process, so. Mm-hmm. We moved slowly through the bureaucratic, bureaucratic tape, but um, it, was, it seemed to work out just fine. It seemed like every state had a little bit different issues to pass. Um, some were behind others, but uh, at this point, like breweries are helping out distilleries that are producing sanitizer for everybody as well, um, which has been kind of cool to see. I believe just yesterday, like a giant tanker from Goose Island was delivered to Koval um, to add more to them. And I know a local brewery called Temperance has been helping them out as well. So it's been nice of a little collaboration of everybody. And as the Blum brothers said last week in our podcast, the, the competition has just basically uh, evaporated from the distilling industry. It's all about let's try to get through this thing together and work together and supply, supply people with what they need. What do you think is going to happen at the end of this? You know, how, do you, how do you see, I mean, I've spoken to quite a lot of people who are like in the drinks industry here, whether they're in wholesale, retail, distribution and stuff like that. And they think that, um, you know, things like credit terms are going to disappear um, um, it's going to be like payment on delivery and stuff like that. Because I, I, I just feel like um, I feel like it's going to be a massive shift. I don't know how you guys feel over there, but um, I think a few guys might really struggle coming out at the end of this, and probably struggling right now. Of course. Right. Uh, you mean just from like the distilling side of it all? Well, yeah, probably distilling going into hospitality. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's been some crazy numbers thrown out here of you know maybe seventy to seventy five percent of bars and restaurants won't survive um, nationally. So yeah, um, it's it's scary to see. I mean, some of the like Jack Rose, one of the best whiskey bars in the entire world in Washington D.C., is selling off their whole back bar. I mean, just to try to stay afloat. So it's kind of scary at that point when you see people where you think, hey, they have longevity, and I don't know their financial situation at all, obviously, but of at, course, same time, yeah. at the same time, you're like, you're, you see this play out on social media and through the internet where bars are selling off everything they can just to stay afloat and doing GoFundMes for their staff. Um, there were some some restaurants and bars here that were I've been doing delivery and pickup only, which has been helping them out, but some of the bigger guys, oh, no. think you think bigger guys anyway, successful guys, did it for a week and then closed their doors. I'm sure because they're probably not making enough money to pay their staff that's on on board at the time. Yeah, man, it's 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 going to be a total and utter fucking nightmare in the next. I don't know. I really don't know how things are going to pan out at the end of this. I think you know the smaller guys hopefully are going to be versatile enough that they can they can maneuver themselves and they, certainly in, in distilling and in hospitality. Obviously, our background long term is hospitality. Right. So, you know, we still see what goes on. Uh, you know, we're in a very, we, you know, having the whiskey bar in a part of the world that's very seasonal. 
you know, we basically have, we have about seven months to make enough money to survive the whole year, or to, to like get through the whole year mm. where we are. So it's basically, it's a write-off, man. 2020 is going to be a write-off for a lot of businesses. And if they can survive until 2021, up in our part of the world, they'll do, they'll probably manage to do all right. But people are, get, people are worried, people are scared. But saying that, I feel like the rebound is going to be pretty quick. I think there needs to be a, there needs to be a, a message going out to the community, which is like, go and spend money in your local bars, in your local restaurants, with your local distillery. Go and support these guys. Make sure you tip all this sort of stuff, man, because it will make a difference. Because do you know what? If you don't, they're not going to be there. Right. That's that's going to be the major problem. Are your bars and restaurants yeah. closed? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're all closed. So you're like the whole, so, yeah. we're calling yeah. a stay-in shelter place, uh, if you guys have all that as well. So yeah, we've got the same thing. We've okay. got the same thing. Do you know, man, I was saying, so me and Simon were in Japan in February. I went, Before we met in Japan, I was in Taiwan. And Taiwan basically totally have their shit together mm-hmm. beyond anyone else. So when I landed, I flew into Japan, Tokyo, and I flew down to Taipei. And when I landed in Taipei, I was temperature screened. When I got to my hotel, I was sanitized. They sanitized my hands and they temperature screened me and they told me to go straight to my room straight to my room. Every restaurant and bar I visited, the temperature screened you and they sanitized you. And they were doing this on like day one. As soon as yeah. the outbreak happened in Wuhan, they were doing this. And it, look at them now. I mean, they've got barely any cases. They're, you know, an example of how to how to uh, succeed when a virus kind of kicks in. And yeah. it's, it's really impressive, really impressive. But we just, in the UK, when we landed, me and Simon came back from Japan to the UK and we had warnings on the plane that were like, you know, um, you know, stay seated because uh, you're, you know, we've got health officials coming on board. When they said when they said that, you expected somebody to come on board and temperature screen you up the plane, you know, come up and check the temperatures and everything. Basically, it was a guy with a clipboard stood there waiting for people to say, "I don't feel well," you know, which people. Yeah, so aren't you know, do. If, you, if, you, right. if you've got a, if you've got a cough, uh, report yourself on the way out. Of course, the plane is full of people who are coughing, and not a single person uh, self-reports on the way in, no. uh, on the way back from on the way back from Japan. So you know, it's um, yeah, it's completely different. But I mean, Taiwan. Yeah, well, Taiwan had the experience of SARS, and then they, they learned from that, and put in place um, kind of a pandemic response team. So they had they had all the, all their plans in place, ready to move such an event. Right. You know, the rest of us uh, did not. So next time we'll be fine. Next pandemic we'll have it sorted. You know, we'll be, no, we'll be able to do some, here. Yeah, we'll be able to do uh, do, do all the sanitizer and all the distilleries from day one. Next time, you know, next pandemic. You know, but you might have not have another one for one year or twelve years. You don't know. Well, now's the time to invest in a company that manufactures uh, longevity, uh, long life food. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Buy Netflix stock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, this I was having these called Just Eat, Domino's, Netflix. I think UPS have the all the Amazon deliveries or something like that in the US. So, like, these companies are going to come out of this doing pretty well. But guys making ethanol manufacturers, like these guys, will uh, do all right. But yeah. the rest of the economy is... Yeah, we, we get... We get um, and because, we're, because we've been quite... Even though we're tiny, we're really just supplying... We're, we're, we're trying to supply the, the highlands of Scotland as best we can. Um, but we're getting all kinds of mad inquiries coming through for like um, about 30,000 containers of um, sanitizer for a shipping company. You know, you've got lots of chemical companies who are wanting to basically buy bulk and uh, sanitizer off you and repackage it and sell it on. And it's all kind of, there's all kinds of mad. There's vultures there, man. 
for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but what what we tried to do was you know set the whole thing up as a, a you know decentralized distributed network of distilleries supplying their local area, um, and that's worked quite well for us. Um, yeah. So you know we're we're supplying our area, and we're just making sure that you know all the the care home associations, people in healthcare, they're being you know it's got a chain email going round with all the details of how to find your. Uh, your local suppliers, and you know, we can kind of you know, stem stem the tide that way as as best we can. And same things happened in the US as well. So, when we we sent our map and database uh, to distilling contacts all over the world, and the um, uh, the Amer- American Distillers Institute picked up on it, and they worked with um, oh uh, was it Southern Southern Methodist University to make your American version of the map. Um, so we, we're in contact with uh, the guys who are doing all the data for that as well, uh, data sharing. Um, and the, the French picked up on it as well as a French drinks journalist. Um, so he's made a global version. He's taken the American data and the UK data, uh, put together the French data, and then kept on going. He's got a small team who are who've got a world map now. Have you, I don't, have you seen the world map? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at it there, though. Cool. Um, uh, so, you know, so that way, you know, the more you can put together uh, local supply and local demand, um, the less reliant you are on centralized systems, the, the better, really. Uh, so it's, yeah, it all seems, it's, it all seems to be uh, working despite it all being very much uh, like winging it. The, uh, <laughs> term. Were you one of the first um, UK distilleries to start then? No, no. Uh, no. I think so. um, I'm, I, I, a few of them, uh, very quickly off the bat, when they couldn't get sanitizer, uh, were just using things like uh, New Make Spirit uh, for like the visitor center. For uh, you know, this is before the all cl- all visitor centers closed, etc. So there's one or two that were maybe just putting some New Make in a bottle for people to put on their hands on the way in. Um, I think Mike Bain, we're 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 in the first wave of kind of a small handful doing it. Um, but the, you know, as, as soon as as soon as the traditional supply dried up, uh, a lot of distillers were on it uh, pretty quickly. So we were certainly maybe in the fir- maybe in the first four or five that were doing it. Um, you know, any anything more than just looking after their own staff. Mm. Um, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, there's all kinds of you know, like we've got Mike uh, Mike Bain, uh, side. You know, he's he's now bringing in tanker after tanker of uh, grain spirit. And because he was maybe the first guy to get publicity on it, he's become a bit of a hub. So now he now is donating uh, pallets of sanitizers to hospitals, uh, while he's also making uh, decent money by being kind of the kingpin of uh, ethanol-based sanitizer in the UK as well, because he's kind of the first point of contact for a lot of companies which are looking... You know, every company that wants to run needs to be providing their staff with sanitizer and some form of protective gear, and so he's become the sort of first point of contact for a lot of these guys who can't get through uh, traditional suppliers. Uh, you know, if you want to stay open, you kind of need sanitizer, really. So, so he's so he's done quite well from that. And it's also allowed him to do a lot of donations as well. I mean, for the first two weeks, he was giving it away for free for the first week and a half. Well, for the first two weeks, he was even uh, paying the duty himself and taking it on the nose while donating sanitizer to care homes, hospitals, all sorts. Um and so now, now the quantities are getting crazy, and uh, he's able to a make a profit, but also give it out for free for the places that need it the most. So and there's still quite there's a lot of you know, but then it's like a, there's a guy in Inverness uh, not far from us here, and from very early on, 
um, on this little tiny still. He's uh, he's 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 distilling through the night, and he's been doing this for about three and a half weeks now, nonstop, uh, working all through the day, all through the night on this little mini still, and he's been providing sanitizer to uh, the Inverness and, and greater area. And you know the, the equipment level is tiny, but he's been working nonstop. Uh, just getting out there and doing it all for free as well. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. And, you know, that's complete opposite end of the scale. But the amount of the amount of effort that goes into it is, uh, you know, the same if not greater, really. Yeah, well, but, yeah. I, yeah every, every, everyone's just trying to, trying to do what they can. It's amazing. How has that changed your guys' day to day? Means it more hours for you in operation? Or? Um, well, we're having we've taken down the kind of malt production, uh, obviously. There's basically no gin going out. Um, single cask sales. So when we do like our single cask releases and stuff, they you know, we put some on the website and they sold. Yeah, they oh, yeah. Um, well, basically, gin sales have fallen totally away, man. Like nobody, because you know, hospitality, all the hospitality businesses have closed and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So in, in, initially, all the off license were told to close, but then they've since, but then a couple of weeks later, they were told that they could all um, yeah, open again. Essential businesses, which yeah. I agree, man. An off license. You know, I'm not encouraging people to go out and drink too much, but certainly having a nice glass of wine when you finish work is, uh, you know, it's definitely right. a nice thing to do for sure. Or if you're stuck in the house. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, um, they're having like Christmas yeah. sales around here for all the off trade. I mean, I was talking to one of the managers at one of at Benny's, our local liquor store, and they said they usually do $30,000 on Mondays. And then two weeks ago on Monday, they did $100,000 in sales. Yeah. So, are Binnies, um are they retail only, or they do they do wholesale? Uh, well, they're re- they're retail only, yeah. Okay, so they'll be doing all right. Although, oh, although yeah. today we, we, we today we got our first um, restock orders for the gin for yeah. a couple of weeks now. So, um, with some of the some of the off licenses reopening and uh, getting back into it, um, you know, and I think doing doing the sanitizer things kind of giving us a bit bit of a, bit of a good you know social credit with people. Yeah. So, um, you know, it looks like sales have been all right and, you know, off licenses are starting to restock, which is good. You know, whereas two weeks ago, they were all on lockdown, no spending. Uh, sorry, we're not going to be paying our bills for a while. And uh, the problem is moving forward is I think things like, um, you know, 30, 45 day credits are going to be gone, man. Right. Like Certainly for the first six months after this, um, nobody's going to want to give anyone any credit. Um, it, it's just not going to happen. Um, we've got, you know, we've had, we have had a couple of retailers that we sell whiskey to that have come back to us and said, you know, we've had outstanding invoices and they said, basically, these aren't getting paid. You know, we're paying our staff and that's it. And I totally get that. I understand completely. But also, we have to pay our staff. You know, they're, they're focusing on saying, okay, we'll keep our money and we're going to pay our staff. And we're going, okay, well, we have to pay our staff as well. So it's a really difficult, difficult situation. I understand I understand their perspective. Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of this, when people like that come back to you and they say, I want to buy X amount of stock from you, you just have to say, you know, okay, that's fine, but it's payment, you know, seven days from purchase or upon purchase. And mm. I think it's going to change. I think it's going to change the way that people, uh, hospitality businesses buy food and drink, uh, food especially as well, man. I mean, like, you know, the first thing that most hospitality businesses will do is they'll freeze any uh, direct debits or any payments to suppliers, you know, and they'll just focus on paying their staff. But you've also got, uh, you're also not sure what uh, what money's going to be worth down the line here. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, our, our government's uh, 
gone really big. So they're they're covering 80% of people's wages if they've been furloughed. So if you can't work because of coronavirus, government's covering 80% of your wage. Uh, there's all, all kinds of debts being uh, written off, massive amounts of money being uh, you know uh, um, uh, printed to order via the Bank of England. Um, so, so the government's taking on you know massive debt loads, massive amounts of money printing. Uh, but in, when when that happened in you know, 2007, 2008, all that money kind of got funneled upwards. So you, you didn't get any real inflation. So you know, a pint of milk still costs pretty much the same before and after. Um, you know, but private yachts and uh, luxury watches got more expensive. Rare bottles of wine and whiskey and stuff got massively inflated. So your inflation got funneled upwards towards the luxury end. But now, the, now the money printing's you know, going out towards uh, you know small businesses, uh, private individuals. Uh, so you know, you don't know what your money's going to be worth. You're going to have, uh, you're, you're probably going to have real inflation. Um, but I, you know, who knows how it's all going to pan out? Um, so. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a hard one to figure out. Everyone's going to be you know, trying to find out what everything's worth and monetary value for a little while. Yeah, and I think are you people... guys getting that over in the US? Are you getting um, government support for you know, big big money printing going towards you know? Yeah, we just had a people... two point two trillion dollar bailout. Um, so that'll help out a lot of the bars and restaurant industry, but unfortunately, like a lot of it went to like the cruise industry as well. And they were just reported today on the news, right before we turned this on, that um, bookings for 2021 for cruises has a giant spike. And you're like, why would you go back on a cruise after all of this? But um, now people like that have been bailed out. A lot of the bigger chain restaurants are getting a big portion of that money as well versus the little guys where you're like, well, they're still going to survive. Like anybody fast food or is a big chain, people are going to continue to go back to those places. But because there's not that that scary idea of sitting in a restaurant for an hour and a half in close proximity to somebody when you go to like, like a, like a subway or Panera bread where you just kind of go in, take your order and leave, or maybe you're sitting 10 feet away from each other um, for the most part compared to smaller restaurants where, yeah, it's a small space where kind of sitting on top of each other, you're hearing your conversations in that way. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how long people go. Once everything opens back up, people go back to their regular life and aren't afraid to be in the public spaces. I think it won't take that long. I think I don't the, think so either. No, I think people, you know, certainly. I think the first thing that's going to happen if you know, like if you over there, restrictions and coming into a nice place like you know Chicago in the summer, late summer, you know, people are going to be out and about. Any opportunity yeah. to get out and about, you're going to get out. You're going to get a can, can of some beer, and you're just going to enjoy life a little bit. Um, I think the only, you know, we're certainly. I, I sit at home. We talk about just like where we're we going on holiday. When are we going to go on holiday? Where are we going to go? And I think it's really worth like going back to what we said before. Is like I really think people need to go out and support the local economy. And yeah, of course, travel and go other places and spend money there. But also like go to your local restaurants, go to your local bars, take a night away, like an hour or two hours away from where you live, and just like spend some money in a local hotel somewhere near where you live because they're going to need it, man. They're really going to need it. And, Absolutely. Uh, this is you can do what you can locally for a little while, and then once things kind of rebalance a bit, hopefully we'll see some more trades coming internationally and stuff like that. And, uh, I don't know. We're in a pretty lucky situation in Dornick. I think we're we, you know we're definitely a lot luckier than a lot of places in in this area for sure, given the golf and the reputation and stuff like that. Mm. Also, also the way we we've structured our business as well. When when we kind of 
had the idea for the distillery and we were designing it, we wanted to, you know, because, you know, you know we, we understand uh, whiskey history and although it's been on a, you know, the industry's been on a big upswing just now, uh, you know, that can easily go out of fashion. Uh, you, you know, the whiskey industry has had big ups and big downs. And when it has its big big downs, um, you know, a lot of a lot of distillers close, a lot of people lose their jobs. So, you know, we started up with uh, you know, small scale, no debt, no shareholders. So with the idea that worst case scenario, you can just uh, close your doors and walk away for a while. Um we're kind of glad that we didn't take on those levels of uh, those levels of debt really. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's worked, worked out okay for us because we can, if we want to, just mm. lock the doors and, you know, walk away for a few months. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, but then uh, you see a lot of small businesses, which are small distillery businesses, which are massively over leveraged, um, you know, huge borrowings. They might have gone big during the gin boom and, you know, things are already, were already starting. So, uh might be the opportunity to pick up some cheap equipment soon. So, uh, <laughs> bright side of things. Uh, yeah, no. And how has it affected like the bar? How long has the bar been closed now? Uh, two weeks now, and it's just uh, you know it's a total nightmare, man. Because we've been um, basically April, May are our busiest months for whiskey people coming in, and then June, July, August, September is really golf season. So you yeah. get a lot of high, in quotes, I hate the term, but high net worth American golfers coming over. And, um, you know, they, these guys are, you know, they're used to spending a lot of money. Um, that's for sure. Yeah. They'll spend a lot in your bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, so, also with our pricing over here, um, you know, a lot of high-end stuff in the U.S. can be quite expensive, whereas we, we reduce, our, reduce our margins as bottles get more expensive. Uh, so, you know, we, we see it as a higher value transaction um, rather than thinking in percentage terms. Mm-hmm. So people are used to spending good money on drinks. Bit wild because it usually because to them it represents excellent value in the bar. Uh, so, you know, we have a pretty good time of it throughout the, throughout the summer, really, in terms of bar spend. Yeah, but it's, it's so seasonal where we are, man. Like, I mean, comes gets to kind of late, oct- well, October, and that's uh, you know you've, it's just a case of you know you're going to lose money. It's just how much money are you going to lose through right. eight, you know October, November, December. We we don't open for Christmas, but uh, New Year Hogmanay is a big one for us. So it's just like you know trying to break even in December, January, February, and then it's back into March, April, May, June. And it's you know we make we make all of our money in basically yeah. six or seven months. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got to put on your you got to put on your your fat in the summer to see you through the winter really. Uh, Best case scenario, what do you guys think everything will be back open in the UK? Um, best case, I would say July, in my opinion. I, I think, reckon. Yeah, I think I think stuff might start opening up in July. I think we won't see international visitors. Yeah. I think at that point, um, but we will probably see a big increase in uh, domestic, yeah. uh, domestic tourism. I think it'll be quite big. People will be very wary about Going, going abroad, um, especially going, where we are as well, because we are quite a remote, small population area. So yeah, I think we, people we, would, we've got the, you know, in the Highlands here, we've got the sparsest population in Europe. So I think that can be quite attractive to people at the moment. You know, when you've got the, you know, the smallest amount of people yeah. per land mass. There was a big, um, there's a lot of stuff in the media locally recently about um, people coming up in camper vans from like down the south of England. Yeah. Up to the north of Scotland, and they're like, "Yeah, we, you're not welcome in our communities." 
although all of these communities they rely on this business not so much the camper van but they're relying on tourists coming up into the businesses whereas um, coming up into the area to spend money and uh, but the camper vans you know it's interesting because I've got to ask yourself you were if you lived in London and you owned a camper van and coronavirus is breaking out all around you would you get in your camper van and drive away from the large population areas yes you would right. uh, but then saying that we're up in an area with small population and you're sort of, we don't have the infrastructure to be able to support a massive outbreak we don't have you know the healthcare system to be able to support it so yes we are concerned up here but then if i was in the position yeah. of these people so, so, i would totally get out for sure i would be out of london i'd be out of manchester i'd be getting out of there for sure yeah that's happened in the northeast in the u.s too people in new york that have houses and other states like Connecticut and Vermont, they're leaving Manhattan and Brooklyn to go up there. And people are like, no, go back, go back to New York. And that's, and that's but the problem is that's how it spreads as well. Yeah. Right. You know, some of these, you know, some percentage of these people will be potentially taking it with them and not realizing they've got it. So. Well, they might go back to New York when they realize there's no quinoa up there. <laughs> Possibly so. Possibly yeah. so. Yeah, we were uh, we were supposed to. We we're looking to come and support your local co- economy in October, but now who knows what will do for a minute so well man you're welcome anytime sure appreciate appreciate that um is there i don't take up too much of your time i know you're still working um is there anything else you want everybody to know kind of about what you guys are just doing as a distiller to help help the community or other people you're partnering with um well i don't know another another news we have we're meant to have whiskey this year official whiskey by scottish whiskey regulations uh, definitions so yeah we've got our uh, first three you know casks uh, casks turning three three years old at the moment so at some point we'll probably put out a release of whiskey probably wait until this whole uh you know global pandemic thing has died down a bit uh before we release anything to market um yeah uh, and then, yeah, I just want to say, say a big thank you to all the distilleries in the UK who are doing their part to, you know, if you can take care of one, one little problem of the whole big thing, you know, and everyone takes care of one little problem of it, you know, can hopefully get it all sorted out. You know, the people who have to be out and about doing stuff, looking after people, producing stuff, they'll, they'll do that as safely as they can. And then, you know, the people, people who aren't um, just, you know, stay home and uh, stay safe, really. Um, yeah, the the more vigilant we can all be with it, the, the quicker it can all be over, hopefully. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with all that. And it's kind of the same sentiment we have here in the U.S. as well. And everyone's trying to lend their hand. I just saw that uh, the New England Patriots, they're for their team playing over to China to pick up over a million masks for hospitals in the local area. So everyone kind of seems to be going in and uh, you know, showing their support and doing all they can do. And so hopefully this whole thing will end. And kind of has brought us together more as a world, I think. I mean, you kind of see the global impact that we can all have on one another now. And it's nice to have these sources of tools and uh, to kind of communicate and still have uh, some semblance of life. Yeah, man, it's good. For sure, for sure. We just need to kind of, everyone should do a little bit of something and try and make yeah. a difference wherever possible. But, um, you know, you're not going to solve the world's problems overnight, but everyone can kind of try and, do a little something wherever they can. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate all the effort you guys are doing, and I'll let you get back to it so you can help save the world. <laughs> yeah, man. Look after yourself. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for coming on Thanks and joining us. Too.